0: and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet.
1: Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to a slightly delayed but bumper-packed edition of ESSR Central. Sorry it's so late in the week. We had to do the draft because of those pesky start the Draft Live boys and their ego. But we're back again with all the news, reviews, interviews and previews of the week. And I'm joined by one of those people who caused it to be delayed, David Hockney.
0: Hey, listen, the draft's the best thing going on this damn podcast. So the fact that we had to squeeze it in this week, you know, we just came off a mammoth season and it is now our biggest season ever. So there was a lot of planning and prep that went into it and I'm pretty sure it was worth everybody's time in the end.
1: I'll beg to differ, but that's just me. I'm joking. It was, it was a good time. It was a, fun, it was a fun show. You can catch that on eat sleep suplex retweet on youtube uh, and if you want to find us on social media that's at suplex retweet twitter facebook instagram eat sleep suplex retweet community if you want to get involved in the conversation and if you want to listen to it on the go this coming saturday it'll be available on our spotify itunes anchor and all good android podcasting sites that's eat sleep suplex retweet on all those platforms uh we'll we'll get through cuz it's a big show we'll get through some of the smaller stories of the week. Um a nice week feel good story um 2.0 the former ever rise were meant to be on dynamite this week. However one of them just became a father so congratulations to I don't know what one it is but congratulations to whatever one it is on becoming yes. a dad.
0: Congratulations indeed and you know sometimes you know just family things take precedent over over everything. So it's it's a shame they missed dynamite but it was for good reason.
1: Yeah. Uh, a couple of other people list missing missing, easy for me to say. Shows in the next coming weeks, but for unfortunately different reasons, uh Shingo from New Japan Pro Wrestling and SmackDown commentator Pat McAfee both uh diagnosed with COVID, currently isolating. We wish them all the best. Um hopefully see them back soon.
0: Yep. Uh I mean, I can't really comment on Shingle, but Pat McAfee, you know, as much as I hated him as a heel character in NXT, he is doing brilliantly as a commentator. I think he's becoming one of the most beloved personalities on SmackDown at the minute. And, you know, it's a shame because he has posted that he's been double vaxxed as well. But, you know, the Delta variant's been still a problem in the US. And yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. I hope he get, hope he has a speedy recovery.
1: Yeah. But of course, one of the good things about doing this on a bit of a delay is the fact that not only has his first appearance happened, his second appearance has happened. It's been seven and a half years of chance of CM Punk at every every indie show, WWE show, AEW show. He's been rumoured to be returning for seven and a half years, even though he's been away for seven and a half years. Um... And this past Friday, Dave, it finally happened. The second edition of Rampage that did over 1 million viewers, Mm -hmm. CM Punk, they wasted no time whatsoever, kicked off the show to a deafening Money in the Bank level pop.
0: Oh, listen, that that was beyond Money in the Bank level pop because Money in the Bank 2011 goes down as probably one of my favorite ever pay-per-views because of the response to CM Punk. And the response he got on... Uh, Rampage was unlike anything I've ever heard. I even compared it to say that it was louder than Triple H's return at Madison Square Garden. That was deafening. And his arrival has basically just broke the entire wrestling world because we've got the new fan reaction with the the crying guy as as a meme picture. Uh, AEW's merch sales pretty much crashed as a result the the line was about two miles long and punk now holds the record for most t-shirts sold in the space of i think it's 48 hours or 72 hours overtaking the nwo t-shirt as well this return is arguably one of the biggest in the entire industry
1: yeah absolutely i um i seen a video the next day and it was like biggest shock returns I wouldn't put it down as a shock for the fact that I think we all knew it was happening or mm-hmm. we all tuned in to, to see it happen. If you get me, it was sort of like, do you remember when the rock returned in 2011 and we're like, it's the rock, it's going to be the rock. Uh-huh. Oh my God. What if it's not the rock? That was that everyone tuned in because the teasers were punk. It was in Chicago. It had to be punk. It sh- It should be punk. What if it wasn't punk? And I think that, that tiny wee bit of doubt, that's mm. thats what gets everyone in. It was deafening, as you said, Madison Square Garden level for Triple H Return. And they didn't even... They didn't wait about, did they? They opened the show. I i don't think... Certainly not in the stream I had. There wasn't a... There wasn't, like, an intro to Rampage. It was just the crowd yelling CM Punk. Mm. And yeah. then... It happened. It, it, it was, and it's it's surreal to say that, you know, on a return that I think everyone in their, heart, their hearts knew was happening this week, because it's been seven and a half years, it's just it's so mind blown that it actually happened. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's just natural, you know, to feel a little sense of doubt, you know, particularly when. WWE takes up most of the audience. And, you know, you expect them to do something big and then they disappoint you at the last minute. You can't help but think, you know, maybe AEW's bitten off more than they can chew with this one. But in hindsight, they haven't. Because I remember we watched this at Stevens when we were um sitting down for SummerSlam. We watched it back on Fight Network. And everything that we hoped it would be. it it did happen. You know, his entrance was about three minutes long and he was literally jumping within the crowd and he just soaked it all in. And I think for the first time in like, since he left WWE, he, he seemed genuinely happy to be there. And it was, it really was a pleasure to sort of see him come back out, soak up the adoration and, you know, just to generally see him, you know, happy to be back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um you mentioned obviously since he left WWE, so a sort of staple of guys getting released or guys who leave WWE, it's the it's the promo, it's the they held me down promo, it's the I was in the Stanford Prison promo, you know, it it's mm. it, it loses its it loses its bite with every person that did it and here CM Punk you know a a man who 100% had an axe to grind you know the the injuries he sustained while doing Vince McMahon a favour working with Ryback the the fact that it became dangerously unwell the fact that he was fired on his wedding day and when someone like that has an axe to grind you think right here we go this is going to be the original this is going to be the guy with the biggest axe to grind Mm -hmm. I don't actually think he did anything untoward other than use WWE's there was the line I left pro wrestling in 2005 and that's not him disavowing his WWE accomplishments that's not him saying oh well screw WWE it's not that's him using WWE's own verbiage against them. WWE for years have said they're sports entertainment. Mm. He also made reference to the fact he was unwell. He said, I wasn't going to get better staying in the same place I got sick. Yeah. And again, I I don't think it, it was a good promo, but he mentioned afterwards about how he mentioned Ring of Honor, but he was very careful not to mention WWE because he didn't want to be that that guy just having a pop at the competition, and I don't think he said anything, anything untoward or anything that took the focus away from AEW.
0: No, you—he um, handled it uh, very well, you know, all things considered. Because everybody knew that he didn't like what WWE, how WWE handled things. He wanted to try and, you know, encourage them to do different things the staff infection you know it was a very very big problem for him you know particularly around the end of 2013 2014 but when he but you 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 made an excellent point there about about how he left professional wrestling in 2005 and it is using wwe's own own branding because they're sports entertainment they're not technically a wrestling company and he didn't mention anybody by name he just said he sort of like omitted it from his time when he, you know, he said he left Ring of Honor in two thousand and five, only to then come back and say he was in a place where, you know, it ended up, you know, he he became bitter, he became sick, and he said he wasn't going to go back uh, any time soon. And I think he was—he uh, didn't go into any pettiness and stuff. But one thing I did catch, you know, was at the very start, it was like he's got a lot to to say, but he's not going to say it all in one go because. Otherwise, it's just, you know, this is a guy with an axe to grind and he's he's got it all out in one go. What else is there? So this sort of gradual release and gradual transition back into the sort of pro wrestling industry, this is definitely uh, the smartest move for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I liked how he put the onus on the, the up-and-comers or the, the locker room saying about how Mm -hmm. there's, he mentioned obviously past feuds, like reference past feuds from his wrestling, just his wrestling career as a whole. Um, He said there's scores to be settled in that locker room and there's new up and coming talent that I wish was with me 10 years ago. And he says, he said, I was excited and I wanted to face them. And I thought to myself, well, hell they're there why aren't you? And I like that fact that it it sort of played on his reluctance to get back into wrestling has not because he didn't love wrestling, but this is something I referenced the rock's return earlier. The rock referenced about how he didn't want to go back to wrestling until he was able to go back and be like, listen, I don't need to be here because I've made a career in Hollywood. I'm here because I want to be here. Mm-hmm. And Punk obviously had that journey of, well, wh- why would I go back if, you know, obviously his his MMA career, one win, one no... Sorry, one loss, one no contest. Yes. Yeah. He, he was maybe reluctant to go back because of that, but you saw almost the edge look when, you know, you saw... 10 years of frustration released from Edge. You saw CM Punk when it came out and it was like seven and a half years went away like that.
0: Yeah, it all just sort of uh, sort of vanished because he, getting back into MMA, UFC, you know, maybe it was a way to sort of try and venture out, try something new, still stay in like a combat sport of sorts. But the two losses probably rocked him in some capacity, but... What I liked about that, you know, is it's good to know that he wants to mingle with the the AEW homegrown talent such as Darby Allin, Jungle Boy and talent like that. But when he talks about scores to settle, that's what I'm most interested in, because um, I'm aware that Christian Cage is an impact champion, but still going through the forbidden door with AEW. I think it'd be good to see those two go at it again, particularly the there's the infamous uh, bitching promo on SmackDown. Where they're both in the ring with Teddy Long, and there was that uh, they had that funny interaction with each other. But there was also one that I'm actually quite curious to see is uh, a potential feud with Miro, because Miro arrived at the 2014 Royal Rumble, which was obviously Punk's last match. But I think they only had a brief interaction with each other. They never really had a proper one-on-one until Miro made his main roster debut because Punk was gone by then. I'd be interested to see what those two could pull off together, given that, you know, they both have had time in WWE. They both feel like they've been sort of, what's the word, uh, sort of let down by the company in various ways. Like, obviously, Rusev got over with his own gimmick with Rusev Day, but it just the higher-ups just didn't see him as a main event guy. So he had an axe to grind on his own. So seeing these two go at it, I personally would like to see that.
1: So, obviously, you mentioned Darby Allen. Darby Allen will be his opponent uh, all out in Chicago September 5th. CM Punk's first match since the Royal Rumble back in 2014. So, Darby Allen's the next match. His promo on Dynamite this week, um, the crowd started shouting yes. Mm-hmm. He referenced that he said that's someone else's stick. You might need to wait a little bit longer for that. Rumours abound that Daniel Bryan signed with AEW. Is that one of the scores that he might have to settle? Ooh, possibly,
0: actually. Um, but then again, they, they sort of never left each other on bad terms. You know, I think because the last time they teamed up was Survivor Series 2013, a few months before Punk left. And as far as I'm aware, they were still on pretty good terms. So it'd be, it be, I think it it would make a lot of sense if they decided to feud at that point. But then again, they you know they could have some something that goes as far back as Ring of Honor, which I'm not entirely sure of. But I did notice a little sort of teaser as well. I don't know if you'd noticed this, but there were some photos going around on Twitter on or social media. And when CM Punk made his entrances on this week's Dynamite and last week's Rampage, he had letters on his shoes i think the first one was db which teased daniel bryan and there was another one as well which uh, i think we'll pick up later on but it was the letters ac i'll let you use your imagination on that one
1: i also saw there was um bw bw did you, did you see that one apparently bray wyatt oh yeah that, that's a bit of an odd one but
0: i'd seen other rumors that bray wyatt um, could potentially be going to impact wrestling as well but I think at the minute it's up in the air where he ends up
1: we'll, we'll, we'll go into that a bit later on um, last thing on the CM Punk uh, obviously debut and breaking the internet and he he was on WWE programming back in 2019 November 2019 he made his debut on WWE backstage on Fox he made it clear that he was a Fox employee, not a WWE employee. Mm-hmm. He was a Fox. He was a Fox employee on a show about WWE. He was there and he said he wouldn't be against a return to the ring, but a bridge would have to be built. Mm. Partly that bridge wasn't built. And apparently Fox officials yeah. are not happy that uh, CM Punk when on their network, after they obviously paid the big money to get Smackdown on that network, has now ended up somewhere else and someone else is getting the the CM Punk return, Buzz and CM Punk return, like, just everything that comes with that CM Punk return, you know, you knew if he ever came back to wrestling it would break the internet, and someone else is getting that publicity and not WWE on Fox.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Like, but I think WWE sort of burned their bridges with Punk, you know, given everything that happened in 2014, etc. And the rumors have been going on for so long that they was potentially going towards AEW, which I think in all honesty seems to be actually starting to pick up steam in terms of knowing its demographic, knowing... What will please people rather than just sort of living in their own little bubble and say and everybody follows the instructions of one of one man that's just not a healthy way to go about things and i mean sure he had the the relationship with fox etc but you said it quite clearly it was a it was an employee being an employee of fox but i think the networks clearly are getting frustrated with you know with wwe's approach to things but I don't I don't know maybe there's a sense of pettiness around not signing CM Punk etc but given what happened at SummerSlam you know we got the two big returns which were massive moments in their own right but it just seemed to be sort of something to overcompensate for what was a pretty average pay-per-view especially for one that was a, meant to be a big four.
1: Yeah you mentioned SummerSlam we'll go into that now um I've got the card here, 11 matches, including the pre-show. I think we all agreed that with a 1am start time and watching in the UK, there should have been more matches moved to the pre-show. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to give you the results just now. If you've not seen them yet, spoilers ahead. Spoiler alert. Uh, Big E defeats Baron Corbin on the pre-show. RK-Bro win the tag titles from AJ Styles and Olmos. Alexa Bliss defeats Eva Marie. Damien Priest defeats Sheamus for the United States title. The Usos retain the SmackDown tag titles against the Mysterios. Becky Lynch, and we'll get into this a wee bit later, returns and in 26 seconds defeats Bianca Belair for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeats Jinder Mahal. Charlotte Flair defeats Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Edge defeats Seth Rollins. Bobby Lashley defeats Goldberg via referee stoppage for the WWE title and Roman Reigns defends the WWE Universal title against John Cena. Now, I think the story here was after the match, when Brock Lesnar returned to WWE for the first time in a year and a half. It's the longest he's been out of the company mm-hmm. since he returned back in 2012. Brimmels were going about that he had signed a multi-year deal with another promotion. Obviously, that's Turned out to be false. New look, beard, ponytail, looks like I've I've seen people saying online uh, that he look out of shape. I'm sorry, like, no way. If if that's out of shape, I would like to be that.
0: Hi, like he's he looks more shredded now. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about the the top knot though. I mean that's, mm, I mean it's it's different, but. Each to their own, I suppose. If it if it works for him, it works for him. It's just weird because I've always seen him with a short buzz cut
1: look. I've never
0: seen him with his hair that long before.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it is a a bit of a weird one. Um, But obviously, CM Punk was always going to be the talk of the the talk of the weekend. I think Mm -hmm. you know that that return wasn't going to be topped unless WWE did something really, really special, but still Brock Lesnar returning and it looks like for the first time and since almost since he went up against Seth Rollins, that he's going to be a face and Roman Reigns, this new tribal chief gimmick, Paul Heyman stuck in the middle, like a a mother trying to stop her two children from fighting (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh! Paul Heyman's reaction alone is is great, and the memes that are coming out of this already is like Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in a custody of Paul Heyman ladder match or something. Given it, that it's been like sixteen years since uh, Eddie and Ray did the the custody over Dominic, who's now actually competing at SummerSlam for the second year in a row, which was you know it's almost symbolic to, to see them see them go at it. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's quite interesting seeing Brock Lesnar in this position, you know, given that he's always seems to have Paul Heyman at his side bar the, the 2002 heel turn, because it's hard to tell these days whether Brock is really a face or a heel. He's almost like a, a man on a mission in his own right. Uh, You know, whether it's, you know, he just wants to make, make easy money or where he wants to just decimate people one at a time. People will still cheer for him. Like, I mean that does not. That's not to say you know whether he's a face or a heel. But you can't really sort of put a label on, you know, someone who's like a massive outsider, and people will cheer for him or boo for him, like regardless of what his position is. So it's I would I wouldn't class him as a face or a heel. I'd say you know people if people want to cheer for him, they just cheer for him.
1: Fair enough. Um, I've seen some people. Um, Are you looking forward to Brock versus Roman again? I think this is going to be better for the fact that Roman's on the most dominating run of his career. He's a lot more comfortable on the mic. Brock is just going to be Brock. There's not going to be any of this. Keep him off TV so Roman can look like the guy who's shown up to work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be different and I, I really do look forward to it.
0: Can you imagine trying to get like, you know, Roman Reigns' new style as well of, of wrestling? He's not just, you know, the the typical Superman style that we're used to seeing, like John Cena doing stuff. Like, he's got a, a much more aggressive move set. You know, he's got the guillotine hold as well to back him up. Can you imagine if Roman actually made Brock pass out or tap out? Like, that would just be a completely different level of domination, especially, you know, with Paul Heyman as the X Factor on the outside, as far as I'm aware, I think Roman has only ever beaten Brock once one-on-one, and that was SummerSlam 2018. Every other time that these guys have faced each other, Lesnar's always walked away with the win. And it doesn't matter if it was multi-person matches, whether it was uh, one-on-one, Roman's only ever defeated Brock once.
1: hmm Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, we go from one return to another. We go... Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Mm -hmm. Rumoured to be at WrestleMania this year. Obviously not there. Rumoured to be at the Royal Rumble. Obviously wasn't there. Um, There had been a lot of talks that Sasha and Bianca weren't going to make it. Talks of that Sasha Banks was an anti-vaxxer and wasn't going to get vaccinated. Um, Weird reports coming out that apparently she went out for a meal During a show day, I think WWE want you to show up at the show like crazy early before just to make sure you're there for like Mm -hmm. promo shots and all that. You know, because we've all seen the photos, like the the title change photos are taken before the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. for the photo shoots, they want people there for meetings. Apparently she went out against company policy and we thought she was going to be replaced by Carmella only to then be replaced by Becky, who then took in the crowd for far too long, then punched Carmella, then took the crowd in again, then challenged Bianca to a fight, offered her a handshake, rock-bottomed her and pinned her. Um, (laughs) I've seen differing opinions of this online. Mm. What were your thoughts on the, the... first off the return are you glad to see Becky back and then secondly the match itself
0: yeah the return itself was great because we all watched this live and most of us if not all of us completely lost like we completely lost it because you know it had been rumoured for so long that Becky would be coming back we just didn't know when and we didn't know how especially not in this capacity you know when the Smackdown Women's Championship was all but all but in place you know, until all this stuff about Bianca and Sasha saying, oh, it might not happen, it might not happen. Like, I didn't even expect, you know, uh, Becky to come out, you know, once Carmella had been brought out because it's almost like, uh, yeah, stuff's happened and this match isn't going to happen. So we'll just have to throw you a bone here and, you know, give you Carmella instead. But the response to Becky's return, I'd say that's... It's not. It wasn't as big as Punk's, but maybe on par, if not slightly below what Brock Lesnar's reaction was. Because I think nobody expected him to show up and more people were expecting Becky to turn up. As for the match itself, mm, see, I've got, I've got mixed feelings on it. I don't like how it was a squash match because Bianca has been built up since the start of the year. To be the new face of the SmackDown Women's Division, and to lose it in such such a weak fashion, it, it makes her look pretty stupid. You know, given that you know she's had some incredible matches with Sasha, with Bailey, uh, even Carmela and Zelina Vega to an extent. So, wh- Why they couldn't just say like, instead of having that interlude with Nakamura and Boogs, you know, sort of like a musical interlude, why? Didn't they just use that time to add to the the, the Becky Bianca match? But if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I think is I think it could be they just didn't have time to plan a match between these two because it was a last minute decision to bring Becky in. So that's why it ended up as a squash. So logistically, I can see why it makes sense. In practice, though, no, I'm not a fan of it.
1: I'm going to go the other way. I am actually a fan of it. I like that, you know, Becky was one of these people who was turned face by the crowd, by the crowd reaction, by just being herself, right? So the man character is someone who will fight anyone, will take on anyone. And, you know, one thing that's never changed is the, do anything to win, do anything to get ahead, do anything to get noticed, sort of thing. So, when Becky offers the hand, Bianca, remember Bianca's only been on the main roster for just under a year? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and it's her first Reignish champion, she has been built up, but she's naive against a wily veteran, and maybe maybe i i think one they want time to build to becky versus bianca and two i think you could easily spin it to either becky saying don't ever you know don't ever trust me don't ever trust anyone don't ever offer anyone your hand till after the match you know take any you know take any shortcut you can or you could easily have bianca just turn around and go you knew you had to cheap shot me to win. You knew you couldn't beat me one on one. I, cause she is the fastest, the greatest, the roughest, the toughest, the EST, and all that. And it still keeps everyone on side. Still keeps everyone clicking away. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think Bianca's buried here, not by a long shot. Certainly not the state of you know WWE's women. The, We don't have a SmackDown 2016 women's division. We have, we had Sasha and Bianca. We now don't have Sasha for some reason. We now have Becky and Bianca. Bianca's going to be absolutely fine taking a loss. You know, a SummerSlam loss led to the biggest career change in trajectory that anyone's ever had when Becky Lynch became the man. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A SummerSlam loss for Bianca could lead. To something more.
0: Mm, I, I suppose when you put it like that, it, it's you could look at it from from both both sides here. Because what I'm reminded of when I saw that result was SmackDown's debut on Fox when Brock Lesnar squashed Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. That's that's what I was reminded of when I saw that.
1: But the difference here, though, yeah, was to get the title off Kofi, get on Lesnar. And get Kofi out of the title picture. Bianca's still in the title picture. Bianca's not going anywhere. Mm.
0: Well, they could have at least had a decent match between Brock and Kofi. You know, it's it's you know, it is like their clash at Beast in the East. It didn't last like nine seconds. It was a lot longer than that. But right. the, the good thing about this is though, but you, you you're right. The good thing about this is now Becky and Bianca have got a solid programme lined up and ready to go for anywhere between now and maybe even Survivor Series if we're lucky. So it's we could potentially see a series of matches. And then you've also got, you know, Sasha's status is up in the air as well. Could she insert her way back in? Maybe we can see a triple threat scenario. Like, that's three big names in the SmackDown women's division, and it's going to make it must-see.
1: So, obviously, we, we mentioned SummerSlam. Um, just a wee fun note, obviously we saw the return of Edge's brood entrance, so obviously we saw the blood on SmackDown a week ago, we saw the brood entrance, apparently Gangrel was lined up to appear on Dynamite, either this week or in the coming weeks, but because of Edge's like brood entrance, AEW cancelled it, so <laughs> poor Gangrel. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I don't know if that was just, unfortunate or just really poor timing but um yeah it's a bit of a shame it's like wwe gets a one-up on gangrel making an an appearance just because they had edge do a a brood style entrance but he sort of teased that on the smackdown prior so it wasn't just like a one-off thing it was you know edge sort of digging into that dark that dark mindset and that's what helped him have the well for lack of a better phrase it gave him the edge over Seth Rollins oh, in their saying. in their match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And as we a-
1: move on to take over. Um, oh yeah, please do. So we're going to move on to take over a night of change in NXT. Uh, Ridge Holland defeats Trey Baxter. Cameron Grimes defeats LA Knight for the million dollar title. Raquel Gonzalez defends the women's title against Dakota Kai. Ilya Dragunov ends Walters historic United Kingdom Championship reign. Uh, I I like that it ended, but see, at the same time, I don't like the fact that the the UK titles changed hands three times in the States and once in the UK.
0: Uh, To be honest, I'm actually not that fussed. All I just wanted to see was an excellent match and my God, did we get a brilliant match between these two. And... Uncle Dave Meltzer, you know, everyone's favorite, he gave the match five point two five stars, making only the fourth match in WWE history to break the five star rating scale. I'm not sure what the other three matches were, but yeah. If I mean if you thought their their initial clash on NXT UK was great, this surpassed it by a, a long way. Like I was I was watching it live and I was on the edge of my seat waiting for this to, to go down. Like This was the match I was most looking forward to, given how much praise and adoration they had in their previous
1: encounter. And I didn't we're, still, think, we're still going through the results here, Dave. I only stopped to just say... <laughs> Jesus. Hey, look,
0: I'm sorry. It like, I, listen, this was the... This was hands-down match of the night. I think we've got to milk it for what it's worth.
1: That's lovely. Anyway, moving swiftly back to what I was talking about. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly defeats Adam Cole 2-1 Maybe. in the... stop it Uh, 2-1 in the 2 out 3 falls match Riley wins the first fall in a traditional wrestling match Adam Cole wins the street fight and then Riley wins the cage match via submission and then Samoa Joe defeats Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship so we'll we'll go back to obviously the United Kingdom Championship match you know you (laughs) you were obviously gushing over that you know please continue
0: yeah Like, it was arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen. And this goes along, you know, with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, John Cena, CM Punk at uh, Money in the Bank. This is now probably within my top five favorite matches of all time. Everything everything you wanted, you know, from the knife-edge chops, from the fast-paced, high-flying moves... And just a sheer, like, perfection of chain wrestling, power moves. It just had everything you could ever want. And the storytelling was unreal. Like, it doesn't matter how much punishment Dragunov took, he still got back up. And, you know, we've had the, the privilege of seeing him live in ICW compete against, like, Joe Coffey and stuff. I mean, I thought he was pretty good, but I never expected him to pull off. A performance quite like that and for him to finally dethrone Walter after 870 days like it doesn't matter like how big or how muscular is because he is actually quite small all things considered he just took down a 300 pound guy and he just would not give up I've got a whole new level of respect for Dragonov.
1: um moving on to the two or three falls matches I'm more interested in matches obviously the last two matches of the card I'm more interested in the fallout of them. First off, Adam Cole, it's so there's been back and forward, and I, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp was arguing with the Wrestling Observer, where the Wrestling Observer said his contract is up, he's away, he's gone, he's done. Um, Sean Ross Sapp said, no, actually, his contract's up as of, I don't know if it was as of Friday or Friday as his last day as a contract to WWE Superstar. Um, Then WWE tweet out, by the way, uh, Adam Cole is going to be with Johnny Gargano. Uh, We're going to be releasing a new line of toys, and they're going to be you know the Host. By the way, if you've not seen that, watch it. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Up Up Down Down starts promoting more things, including involving Adam Cole. And whole Friday shows this week both Smackdown and uh, Rampage now become must see because is Cole staying with WWE and going to Smackdown because he did put on his story you know Pat McAvey is his old rival Pat McAvey's new favourite wrestler is Shinsuke Nakamura he put a photo up with the two of them then Matt Hardy tweeted out earlier today a um, lot of respect to Adam Cole. He is an elite talent, and let's not forget, uh, Big Money Matt was his mentor in Ring of Honor in 2014. So, and put, put a photo of them. So, Adam Cole has the wrestling world guessing. I think we all think he's going to show up on one of the Friday shows tonight. Uh-huh. I think if it's, I think if it's WWE. He's not going to show up on SmackDown for a while, given the recent news that Pat McAvey is out with coronavirus.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because if you recall a few weeks ago, he actually had a very productive meeting with Vince backstage on SmackDown. And there was rumors that you know he was currently on, I think, about 100k a year from NXT. I think there were rumors that he was actually being offered a million a year to stay with WWE. Because Triple H, Shawn Michaels, they both see him as an absolute steal for their company. I think the, the tricky thing is they just need to convince they need to convince uh, Vince to do the same. <laughs> That's easy for me to say. Um, as for you know A- signings with AW Ring of Honor, you know what if the, what if everybody's in on it together? You know, given the, like, oh, let's keep everybody guessing. You know, he could go, he could stay with WWE, he could join, rejoin the Elite in AEW, or he might even pull a complete swerve and go over to to Ring of Honor. It's it's certainly keeping people guessing for sure. But I think I would like him to stay with WWE personally. But if he decides to go to AEW amidst all the the hype around. CM Punk and potentially Daniel Bryan among others, I'm worried that his arrival might be diminished because of it. And I think personally, it would be more impactful if he were to arrive on SmackDown. I mean, that's just the way I'm looking at it, but I just don't want his, his stock and his stardom to be affected because of other
1: recent returns. No, absolutely get yeah, you there. I, I think. Listen, I I love a good return, and I love a good defection, and I love or a call up or a you know a return or something like you know what I mean? Because it always gets people talking like, oh my god, they're back, or oh my god, they went there, or they're there now, or he's healed, she's faced. This is that you know. And Punk is obviously going to be okay in AEW, but. His arrival then puts another top guy on top, which then Mm. gets another mid card guy put down a bit. And then you've got the whole forbidden door thing. And while it is fun, and they are they do have two show well, they have four shows now. So the impact sorry, the AEW roster's getting a bit cramped. Uh huh. Then on the flip side, Adam Cole on SmackDown, does he get the treatment? that the likes of you know kevin owens drew mcintyre uh, roman reigns got where you know they're they're fine they're multi-time champions they're they're always going to be a fixture or do they go the way of andrade Alice, the ascension you know what i mean it's
0: mm. but the thing about adam cole is you know he's a decorated veteran you know he's been in ring of honor he's been in new japan He's been in NXT. He could stay with WWE on SmackDown. He's got the experience behind him. He's absolutely brilliant on the mic. He's got a personality behind him. And it's not like he's not been featured on SmackDown or Raw before because he's defended the NXT title against both Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan. So there's clearly something there. Uh, something there for him. The um, I hope he gets booked in the same way like Seth Rollins does. You know, he's not the biggest guy on the roster, but it's his personality and his character work is what's going to carry him mainly, and everything he does in the ring is just an added bonus because that's a cert. You know, he's got that completely, completely nailed down, which is a bit of a shame. You know, considering the response to the 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 two out of three falls match, given the NX the the CWC crowd were chatting bullshit by the end of the match. It almost I can't help but feel a sense of underwhelmingness for the undisputed finale as it was called. Like I don't know if they just wanted, maybe do they just wanted Cole to win the feud, or, or or they feel like it could have gone on a bit longer? It's 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 difficult to say. So I'm just a bit worried. You know, his NXT time just feels like it's just went out on a on a whimper rather than a bang.
1: Mm, I, you know what? You know, a two out of three falls match, a great feud with Cole, a great match with O'Reilly, a great match with O'Reilly. I'm still not convinced. But, with O'Reilly as a singles guy, but maybe this 2 at 3 falls match puts him into the stratosphere, which, you know, then builds the next guy. Adam Cole has done everything in NXT. He's main evented multiple takeovers, five-star matches, first-ever North American champion, Dusty mm-hmm. Cup winner, NXT tag champ, NXT, rating champ NXT champion. Yeah, yeah, so... I think... I personally think he should have let. See when he lost the title, that was his time to go. I think Adam Cole has hung about a bit too long in NXT because it's now getting to the point where why isn't Adam Cole on TV? Okay, we'll put Adam Cole on TV, but we're not going to put him in the title picture. So then you're like, well, I'm really not interested. Can we move him somewhere else and hmm. start afresh? Um, I you think- know what
0: you know what though, I'm actually glad they had that war games match with. Uh, Superhero Pat McAfee and Pete Dunn and Larkin and Birch because it had but, them portrayed as a face faction for the well, first they, time. Well,
1: that that could have been the the undisputed ending. You know what I mean? That could have been. They could have each went. You know, look, we're we're going to go our own ways now. Or, yeah. What Let's, you know? We we went as far as we can. Went go together. You know what I mean? Because one last war and then we'll we'll go our separate ways. Yeah, exactly. Because I I just think they've done everything they can together and yeah i hope he's still in wwe i hope he gets the treatment seth rollins got hopefully he doesn't get bo dallas treatment but you All never right.
0: know or uh a carrying cross treatment for that i don't want him dressed up in a bloody gladiators outfit that looks more like a uh, like bondage gear
1: well, you've cut ahead of me on the, the new, would you call it the next story, which was obviously Samojo, three-time uh, NXT champion, first person to do that in history. Um, he's He seems to be the new focal point for NXT. Mm-hmm. He he recently said in a, an interview, he thinks Vince, like, Vince sees him as the guy to carry that brand. He has a really good relationship with Vince, apparently. Um, let's just roll over that fact that he was fired. Um, hey, after wearing a poncho. Okay, but carrying cross shows up in Raw this week. Dressed as some... It was meant to be a gladiator. It looked more samurai gear, but like... No, samurai no, it, gear. Was
0: not, it was not samurai gear. I'll give you that much. Let's The comparison I made, it was... Um,
1: I was talking, I mean, in more the helmet. The helmet looked very like samurai gear, but it looked like Poundland, you know, <laughs> unlicensed, you know what I mean? Where it's like it's Super Mario, but it's like Italian Plumber or Kill Bill, Killing Mill, you know, like <laughs> that <laughs> 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 to avoid copyright. It was like the first uh, samurai.
0: It was like Average Joe's initial uniform that get mixed up with their their own kit you know they had to wear that really they had to wear those leather outfits that looked very much like you know like dominatrix style that's what I was reminded
1: of yes it's a weird one hopefully you know hopefully it turns out okay apparently Scarlett is going to be on the main roster with um, and soon Mm -hmm. I think they are a package deal I think NXT did so much work with them together that the one without the other now feels strange. It's sort of like when Rusev was broke away from Lana, Uh it was, it was such a weird thing. So, um, hopefully things work out for the first samurai dodgeball champion carrying (laughs) cross on Monday night raw, but I can see I'm asking for his release soon. If this continues, Jesus, um, but what do you think about Samoa Joe as the, as the champion? Do you see that as a step backwards or as a, is, it a, is it a return to form for Samoa Joe?
0: I think it's a return to form, if I'm being honest, because obviously he's, he's not getting any younger. He's in his 40s now and he did look like he seemed a little bit gubbed during the match, but I think you know maybe you could relate that to Ring Rust uh, in some sense because he hasn't had a match since... That was his first match since February 2020, I believe. So he's been out the ring for about 18 months, and the match only went about 12 minutes or so. And he, he I think it's it's good in terms of, you know, going ahead with this new format of NXT, given that you know they're trying to return to sort of homegrown talent and they sort of build themselves up themselves rather than just sort of bringing in indie guys from other promotions and then they immediately challenge for the championship because of you know whether it's their veteran nature or their history on the on the industry i think samoa joe sort of represent now represents the sort of peak of nxt you know as like a goal for these new up and coming talents to work towards such as carmelo hayes who has now won the breakout tournament you know he could easily challenge samoa joe at any time um but then you've also got you know outside factors like you know Kyle reilly la knight pete dunn and maybe a few guys around the the North American title scene as well. Like any of those guys could work their way up towards Joe, but he Joe's very much now the established veteran, looking over these young ta- these young talents and wondering who's going to step up to the challenge. It's almost like John Cena with the U.S. title. It's like, uh, step up, whoever wants to challenge me, and see if you can get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we we talked about obviously Adam Cole maybe going to AEW there. Um, someone else who could be going to AEW but there's conflicting reports that Impact have made a big play that's the former Bray Wyatt um, mm. I don't know if he'll still be able to use that name but uh, Bray Wyatt is apparently what AEW want him I think AEW want everyone these days <laughs> Yeah. Um, Impact are apparently going to make a big play for him Um And aren't satisfied just getting him is like the sort of open door, uh, sorry, forbidden door thing. They want him on their side. They want him every week, and they're going to make a big play for him. Uh, Impact. I've said before, it seems a place where if you go there, you're allowed to flesh out a character and maybe let it run. It might not be great, but sometimes you know you need to let a character run to know. Right, okay, this is not this is not good. They've had a lot of success with people coming back, mm-hmm. like some Matt Cardona and Brian Myers have been allowed to express themselves. The Drama King, former Aiden English, is there now, mm-hmm. winner of the the doubles tournament they did with Diana Um
0: Diana Perazzo has made the most of it for sure. Like she's now the the number one female in the Impact Women's Division, even when she when she was just another face in the crowd uh, in NXT slash WWE.
1: Yeah. yeah, well there you go, Diana Perrazzo, another one who's made made the most of the opportunity to flesh out her character and be on TV every week, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make herself a star, and well, now she's one of the headline acts at the M-Power uh, Women's Pay-Per-View for MWA. Against she's Melina? Yes, against the former Melina, uh, defending the Impact uh, Knockout Championship. So it'd be cool to see Bray Wyatt go there because I think they have smaller crowds, they take on like they take three, four weeks at a time. Hmm. They do a lot more backstage stuff and are willing to do more cinematic stuff. And I think for someone like Bray Wyatt, that could be really really beneficial because for the simple fact that if he goes to AEW He's going to be another top guy, which means another mid card guy gets moved down a bit further, mm-hmm. and then a top guy gets moved to them. And it just it's top heavy in the ew at the minute, and I think they need to like for now. I think like like obviously, why would you not want to go for Bray Wyatt? Aye, it, it, but I personally, I personally think Bray Wyatt should go to Impact.
0: I don't, I don't disagree with you. Actually, I think Impact would do Bray Wyatt. A world of good here you know he has the potential to be the top guy if he goes to impact whereas on aw as you said you know if aw signs too many former wwe guys who were potential main event talent but wwe just didn't pull the trigger with them it endangers those those guys who started with aw as their first sort of major promotion and they're going to end up somewhere down in the mid card whereas aw's main event scene it's just going to look like you know outcasts from wwe and it will turn into like mid-2000s tna essentially you know we had guys like kevin nash sting the dudley boys all former wwe guys essentially in tna's main event scene whereas guys like aj styles bobby Roode, abyss you know they didn't feel like the guys in that instance when they probably should have been and i think with impact's ability you know, maybe to pull off cinematic matches i'm curious if bray wyatt's going to keep maybe uh, maybe, maybe not exactly the fiend gimmick, but what if he does something similar to it? Because I think WWE might still have the copyright to the fiend, and they've sort of merged that over to Alexa Bliss's character in some capacity. So it's mm-hmm. I'm not sh- I, I don't think he could pull off Husky Harris again. That's for sure. But as long as he as long as he does like something similar to Eater of Worlds slash the fiend or somewhere in between, uh, that'll be a huge gain for Impact.
1: Yeah, Um, WWE have actually announced, uh, I put the thing in the chat the other day, um, part of their Funko Pop line, uh, a glow-in-the-dark fiend Funko Pop, Mm. and it's a Christmas-themed Funko Pop, so it won't be out until December, so they're still going to be advertising fiend stuff till December, so... maybe 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 he's gone back to WWE who knows I'm I'm getting
0: reminded of Mickey James's tweet as soon as he got released it was like it's not we wish you well in your future endeavors it's more like oh I'm sorry we we couldn't find any sort of booking plans for you but we're going to continue to make money off of it by simply giving your your gimmick to somebody else that's that's what I'm reminded of like even though Bray Wyatt's now gone from the company they're still going to try and make money off the fiend and i think that's that's pretty poor on their part
1: well someone who has been struggling to make money and (laughs) now is apparently rich again and he has been the best thing on wwe tv the past few weeks baron corbin and his money troubles have been hilarious um and apparently he SummerSlam was in Vegas. Partly, he went to the casino with the last of his money and struck it rich. He's been doing vignettes on Twitter about how he's got new suits and a new car and he's looking fresh again. And he's. I, I think it's hilarious. I think he is the best thing on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. And I think he's. I just think he's hilarious. I think. Baron Corbin, you know, we get bogged down in the, oh, is he a good wrestler? He's a great character when he's allowed to do stuff, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, this current angle he's been doing is probably his best work in WWE thus far. Because people people were going to boo him from the offset, whether it was in NXT or the main roster, because he was such a detestable character. Like, you know, he was like the standard comic book villain that no matter what he does you are going to boo him. But in this instance, you you almost feel a little bit sympathetic for him, you know, because he had all the the power and the glory as King of the Ring. He lost all that to Nakamura and he's just been on this downward spiral ever since. You know, he's uh, eating food out of tins. He's only got the one shirt. Uh, He can't look after himself properly. He's losing left, right and center to Kevin Owens and stuff, who funnily enough didn't appear at SummerSlam, yet Baron Corbin got a match against Big E because he stole the money in the bank contract. I mean, that's a man who was desperate for any for money in any capacity. So I think that and it's really cleverly well-written, his character up to this point. And you know what was really clever about those vignettes as well? It wasn't just a winning streak he had, because I think in the first segment, you know, he was eating steak. He was in a presidential suite. He got himself a new shirt. And then he, he lost a fair amount again, because, you know, it highlights the dangers of gambling, et cetera. And he went from the presidential suite to a motel room, but then in the next set, you know, he walks out with a new suit. You know, as you said, the new suit, the new car, and it looks like he's just regained everything again. So it's not like it's not like a going from A to B essentially in terms of getting all your money back because you can still lose just as much uh, with gambling. And I think that's I think that was really cleverly written into those those vignettes as well. And his his whole mood changes. You know, from he's like he hit rock bottom to. He's got a bit of an uplift again, but he's now taken another hit. You know, he's resorted to a motel room, uh, only to be now back on top. You know, with the riches and you know the power that sort of came with it. It's I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what they do with him now on.
1: Yeah, me too. I like the idea that he hasn't learned his lesson. Like he, he still thinks he is like above everyone, despite his troubles. Mm. Um, so the card for AEW's next pay-per-view, as we mentioned, All Out, CM Punk, Darby Allen. Another match recently added: Chris Jericho versus MGF. If Jericho loses, he retires from in-ring competition in AEW. Um, rumors of a Fozzie tour soon. Is this bye-bye for a while for Jericho in AEW?
0: Mm, hard to say, really, because you know. Jericho always seems to get involved in these, you know, retirement angles or he leaves the company angle because of Fozzy touring, essentially. But in this instance, it feels a little bit different because he does have a commentator's role on Rampage. And I don't know if maybe he's just going to be reduced to, to doing that now because he's he's a big enough personality to draw in ratings uh, on commentary or cutting promos and stuff. Because if he's reduced to even like a, an interviewer role like Tony Schiavone, for example... He's still getting TV time and people are going to enjoy his, his personality and his ability to cut good promos. If he is going on a fuzzy tour though, I mean, fair play to him. You know, it's, 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 his other ventures. They're still going strong after what was about maybe 15, 20 years or so. And, you know, it's a good thing to do. you know, given that, you know, the last 18 months have just shut, you know, world tours down both in terms of music, comedy, and any form of entertainment. So, um, I mean, if he decides to stick around on AEW, I, I like that you know he's going to be there in at least a commentary role. But as for his in-ring work, he doesn't need to prove anything else. He is, as he said, the goat of wrestling. He's in his 50s now. There's no shame in it if he like, called it quits here and now.
1: Yeah absolutely I think um, I say he's done everything he can I'm sure there will still be things he wants to do but do you retire now from in-ring competition at 50 year old he's going to be 51 in November Mm -hmm. or do you do you keep going until you get to a cut angle stage where you know you've had X amount of injuries and X amount of surgeries and now it's a case of you're a shell of your former self mm.
0: I well, personally if I was him in that position I'd want to retire where a point to a point where at least I could still enjoy my life and not have to worry about you know either having to deal with permanent injuries for the rest of my life you know I'd want to enjoy some of the finer things you know whilst I've still got whatever health I have left but Again, it's different, different situation for different people. If if they want to keep going until their body physically says stop, you you cannot do this anymore. It's you know that's entirely up to them. And bear in mind, you've you've got Sting still competing in his sixties, which is pretty mad to think about. So again, it just comes back to you know personal preferences. But if it was me, uh I would stop if my body
1: said stop that's fair enough um he so we'll do what we did last week and it's a new feature here if you're part of the eat sleep suplex Retweet community page on facebook if not please join it's a it's a good way to get involved and get a just talk about wrestling it's good just a good place to talk about wrestling you can keep up to date with the latest shows we release we post them there first before we post it on the other social media pages and um, david campbell started asking a question every week and his question this week goes as follows and dave you posted an answer to this and i'm going to get you to elaborate <laughs> so it's reportedly a new year for nxt coming up in the near future but my question for this week concerns the recent past Who do you think the next MVP, sorry, who do you think was the NXT, Jesus, MVP (laughs) of the pandemic era? So we had six responses to that. Stephen Wilson said Io Shirai. uh, Grant McRobbie said Kyle O'Reilly. Jack Graham said Johnny Gargano in the way. Scott McLeod and Anthony Fitzpatrick both put (laughs) gifts and commented to the moon, (laughs) (laughs) referencing Cameron Grimes. David, you said Adam Cole. Would you care to elaborate on your answer?
0: Uh, yeah, the reason I put Adam Cole was essentially because I actually agreed with Steven's choice of Io Shirai and I just put Adam Cole up just to, just, well, it's Adam Cole, of course, you know. Uh, he was still in the midst of his lengthy NXT title run by that point, And he still, you know, delivered some excellent matches here and there. He had a brilliant rivalry with Pat McAfee as well, almost to a point where it got so personal that, you know, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, William Regal were all getting involved. And the fact that Adam Cole managed to get a brilliant match out of Pat McAfee, who was making his debut at the time, I think it's a testament, you know, how much of a professional and how much of a veteran he is as well. Let's not forget as well, um, you know, they had another outstanding War Games match as the Undisputed Era as a whole, but it was really refreshing to see Adam Cole as a face at the time. So that was essentially my reasoning for putting him there. But yeah, but in all honesty, it would it would have to go to Io Shirai just for the outstanding number of title defenses and the great matches she had with the likes of Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae in particular, that, that tables, ladders and chairs match on the Halloween episode. Yeah, just absolutely outstanding work from the pair of them.
1: I'm gonna agree with Jack Graham and I'm gonna say Johnny Gargano in the way. I think them as a foursome were incredibly entertaining. I thought they were the funniest part of each NXT. Their rivalries with Ciampa, Tegan Knox, um what's their names? Ember Moon and Shotzi yep. Blackheart. Um even recently their rivalry with Theo Shirai and um Zoe Starks. I thought they were great. I thought the, the. When they all dressed up for In Your House as members of the clique, I thought that was hilarious. That was great. Um, Johnny Gargano slashing the pumpkin at Halloween Havoc, hilarious. Um, and obviously, Index. Index, The love great. triangle between Indy and Dexter Loomis has been great. Johnny Gargano finally getting a proper. North American title run and multiple takeover wins they, they're they my choice for MVPs but no one cares what my choice is, who's your <laughs> choice? Who do you think the impact, the, who made the biggest impact in the pandemic era in NXT was it Champa? was it
0: Timmy Thatcher. What's name?
1: Th- Thatcher. Jesus, couldn't get the name out there. Was it Thatcher? Was it e- MSK? MSK are a great shout. What about grizzled young veterans? Uh, Isaiah Sur- 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 Swerve Scott. Easy Legado for me to fantasma. say. Legado del Fantasma. Legado Kishida. Pete Dunn. Even Pat McAfee could be a shout on his own. Uh, let us know. Eat Sleep Suplex retweet fan community. Comment on the post or even... Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's at Suplex Retweet. And if you want to listen to more episodes like this, eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. I can say all that with tongue-tying, but I can't say Legado del Fantasma or Timothy Thatcher, for Christ's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So obviously, as you can tell by the plugs of multiple things, that is us wrapping up for another week. I won't be here next week. I am going on a scouting mission for the best caravans in Craig Tara for Stephen Stag do but someone else will be here to take my place only not as good as doing it want to thank David Hawkman for joining us here
0: yeah thank you for having me once again
1: thank you David Campbell for his question I'm going to call it Campbell's question it rolls off the tongue a bit better rather than the goat's question Mm -hmm. I just I think that's an ego as big as his forehead, that boy. Anyway, we'll see you next week. <laughs> see, see you later on. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on East Retreat, East meets West.
0: Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East.
1: You can remember to check it out on the East the Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.